Hey guys, thanks for listening to Kinda Dating, the comedy dating podcast where I, your host, Natasha Chandel, and some cool guests break down the dating world and try to figure out why the fuck do we all have commitment issues? Today's topic is asexuality. What is it and how to navigate it? Let's find out. Friends, I'm Natasha Chandel, and you're listening to Kinda Dating. Guys, if you can please tell a friend to listen to this podcast, we would be oh so grateful. Um, and if also you can get them to subscribe to the podcast wherever you get it, it really, really helps us out. Also, remember to leave us a five-star rating or review um, if you like what you hear. And hey, you know what? Even if you don't like what you hear, just do us a solid and leave us a five-star rating and review, especially on Apple Podcasts. That helps us a lot. We're also on social media. We're at Kinda Dating across the board. And we have Aisha here with us today. Hello. What's up, girl? <laughs> what is up? You look so good. <laughs> Thank you. Zoom camera that I'm looking at you. With. <laughs> um, how Got can everybody... Yeah, I like it. Um, how can <laughs> everybody find you on uh, socials? Um, you guys can find me at Aisha Says Dance across all social media networks. And I am Natasha underscore Chandel on Twitter, Natasha Chandel official on Facebook, and Natasha Chandel on Instagram, where on Sundays and Thursdays, um, I'm doing IG lives after the show. Um, and you can, you know, ask me whatever the fuck you want um, because you guys hit me up with, with DMs all the time. So great place. Just come chat with me there. Okay. I'm very excited about this episode because we've been wanting to do this topic for a very long time, but we wanted to make sure we had the right guest for it because, you know, we take this shit seriously. Um, we really, really do. We vet our guests and uh, and we do a lot of research. So um, I am very excited to introduce board certified nurse practitioner. He's a medical contributor for CBS, Fox, Sirius XM, so, so many more. And he's also the creator host of the online community, Ask the NP. He's a, a proud biracial and queer man, Dr. James Simmons. Hello, hello, hello. Wow. I Can I just take you with me everywhere, Natasha? Because I, yeah. I want that introduction, like as I walk into Taco Bell. Hundred percent. Yes. Board certified. I will be your hype girl. Thank you. Yes, that's the word. Right. I need you to be my hype girl. Thank you so much for having me on. I really appreciate it. Yeah, of course. Thank you for being here with us, especially on a Sunday. That's when we record. Um, so you know, Dr. James, we ask every guest the same question. Aisha, you want to ask it? Are you single or in a relationship? Dun, dun, Because <laughs> I, I, I love kind of dating. I love the like, <laughs> just that I'm like kind of dating. I am not kind of dating. I am the other side. I, we're about to hit eight years in a committed <gasps> monogamous relationship as two like cisgender gay men. Like, how about that? You know, in gay land, that's I, like 400 years. Yeah, I was just yeah. going to say, I love that. Hey, listen, even outside of uh, the gay community, I'm like, eight years, holy shit. Dude, and it flies so fast. Like, just Aww. just this morning, he brought up some old shit. And I was like, babe, that was seven <laughs> years ago. Like, why are you still tripping on something from seven years? And he was like, oh, that was seven years right. ago. Like, I feel like whether you're dating, a relationship, it doesn't matter. Like, sometimes... You, you always carry just that. It might be a Louis Vuitton, but you might have that little piece of baggage you're going to bring with you through the whole relationship. <laughs> I was just going to say, there's always that one person, too, who remembers every uh, single little every, thing. And it is not me. That's probably me, though, in mine. So <laughs> <laughs> I can't hate. Um, so, you know, today we're talking about asexuality. It's something that um, we've wanted to talk about, like I said, for a long time. Um, they say there's an estimated 70 million people who identify as asexual. Uh, and, and there's just so much mystery around it, so, so many myths around it. Um, just a lot of people not fucking getting it. So we really appreciate you lending um, your expertise oh. uh, with us. I am I am happy um, to be here for that. And I, I think you're so right. There's so many, even amongst, you know, I, I do I feel like I have to preface our conversation a little bit with like the LGBTQIA plus community. 
we all don't get each other, right? Like just because we're all in the same community or we get lumped together, all our letters get lumped together, doesn't mean that we fully uh, understand maybe the struggle, if the struggle is the right word, or the lived experience of everyone. So I, you know, I just want to make sure that your listeners know, like I do not identify as asexual. I have asexual people in my life, but I've written about asexuality before. I've certainly studied it, of course, all of these things. So um there's, you're 100% correct. There's so much confusion about what it actually means. And I think the biggest thing, like if people stop listening to the podcast right now, which I do not recommend that you do, <laughs> like keep <laughs> listening. I think Listen. the most important thing to know is that it is not a choice. People mm. need to think about asexuality, like you think about bisexuality, homosexuality, hetero sexuality. It is a, it is a, it is who that person is. It is mm-hmm. part of themselves, but it is not, I did I didn't wake up June 21st, 1978 and decide that I was going to be gay. Asexual people don't wake up on their birthdays and be like, oh, I'm going to just decide to be asexual, but it's a spectrum. Totally. And so I want to start with, I mean, a simple question. What, what does it mean to be asexual? And I heard, and correct me if I'm wrong, that the sort of, uh, colloquial way of saying it is like ace. Yeah, yeah. Very good. Is it ace? Look at you doing your homework. Yeah, I try. I try. <laughs> yeah. This, so a, asexual individuals um, kind of, it's like a term of endearment almost, or refer to themselves as aces. So they'll say, you know, are you an ace or welcome to the ace community, that, that type of thing. And essentially, I think the, excuse me, the easiest way to think about this is that an asexual person just does not experience sexual attraction. And let, let me back it up for you. Because we, I'm kind of dating. Y- y'all keep it real, right? We mm-hmm. like, yes, we go you there. Yes, you curse. You can say what the fuck you uh, want yeah. here. All right. I love that. Because in so many of the things that I do as Dr. James, you have to be like very professional. You know, like totally. CBS is not letting me. And doctors are humans Yes, <laughs> most certainly. And I know y'all think a lot more about us <laughs> <laughs> with curse words attached than we do. No, absolutely. Um, yeah, CBS doesn't let me drop the F-bomb, so I might have to drop a few here. Did you know that Kinda Dating Now has merch? Yep. We collaborated with tpublic.com to create t-shirts, hoodies, mugs, stickers, iPhone cases, and so much more. Picking up one of our items is a great way to support the show and grab some swag for yourself. So swing over to tpublic.com or follow the link in the description of this episode to grab yours today. You're sitting at a cafe. We're going we're to go back to pre-COVID, okay? Mm-hmm. So you're sitting at a little outdoor cafe with your girlfriends, and Idris Elba walks by. Ooh. And you're like, first of all, is that Idris Elba? <laughs> <laughs> like, damn. Second right, of all, no. you're like, you can imagine Idris Elba fucking you. Like, uh, yeah, 100%. correct. Right. So you go there in your brain. Mm-hmm. You're like, I really like it on all fours. And I can imagine Idris Elba behind me. (laughs) And I am all kinds of wet. (laughs) Exactly. Right. Okay. Very good. So that is your lived experience when you are sitting at a cafe with your girlfriends having a glass of rosé and you you see Idris Elba walk by. Asexual people don't do that. It just, Mm -hmm. it just doesn't go there. They might geek that it's Idris Elba, they might be, oh my God, Idris Elba. They might also find Idris Elba attractive. They just don't want to have sex with Idris Elba. It just does, it like doesn't come up there. Just brain doesn't go there. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a a great way to explain it. And and I mean, again, in, in reading about it a little bit, there also seemed a little bit of a spectrum within the asexual community. Like there are the people who are not into sex at all. And then there are some who might not like every, none of, or maybe they don't identify as feelings, physical attraction or or sexual attraction, sorry, but they will still have sex with their partner. Mm -hmm. Yep. Mm -hmm. So you, you really tagged on something there. And I actually really like that you corrected yourself because they're in this way and there's no right or wrong, by the way, I'm probably going to say things Mm -hmm. wrong. Y'all will say things wrong. It's okay. Because if we don't have these conversations and learn, how are we going to do better, right? So this is free space, right? So physical attraction versus sexual attraction is a big thing. Mm -hmm. Desire versus physical attraction. So like Natasha, I find you attractive. (laughs) 
I, but I don't want to have sex with you. Right. Like that's, that's kind of, (laughs) that is kind of Aisha. I find you very attractive. I don't want to have sex with you. Like this is, this is kind of how, how that works. And so this is why we talk about it being on a spectrum and why we talk about also people who are asexual kind of get the, get to define that for themselves because this other thing you brought up is really interesting. This is what throws most people for a complete loop. They can't wrap their brains around it. You are asexual, but you have sex with your partner. Right. And this is something I know y'all have talked about before, but the motivations behind having sex are almost infinite, right? There are so many mm-hmm. motivations behind why we have sex with certain individuals in certain situations at certain times of our lives, at certain times of our menstrual cycles, at certain times of pandemia, like, <laughs> you know, like mm-hmm. all of these different things. And so you can have an asexual person who let's say has a romantic attraction to their partner and chooses to have sex with their partner because they know that that's an important part of the relationship for their partner, but they are not getting any desire out of it. They don't get anything out of it. It's just like, great, this is what my partner needs. So I'm going to help that person fulfill that need, but this is not doing anything for me at all. Mm-hmm. And I want to, you know, differentiate a little bit, like that's a different feeling than, for example, me who has fucked people before and been like, nah, I didn't get anything out of it. That was just like, right. I just didn't like you, <laughs> that's, right. you know, or like I didn't like you enough or whatever, but that's a different feeling than somebody who biologically doesn't feel that component of sexual attraction. Absolutely. Well, and you, you being someone who does not identify as asexual, were able to, even if you, you probably knew going into that scenario that you didn't really like this person, but you were like, (laughs) but you're like, but let me see if the D is good. Right. So like, (laughs) like, let's be real. All the time. Uh, Correct. Right. We've all been there. So you're (laughs) like, this guy is a total ass, kind of a douche. But, you know, let me mess around and see if the D is good. And then you, because you have that sexual drive, desire component, your libido, if you will, and we'll talk about libido and non-libido asexuals in a minute, but mm. you have this libido, this drive, this thing that, that you can, that can compel you to have sex with that person, even though you don't have sort of anything else going with that dude. You kind of know he's an asshole. You kind of know this isn't going anywhere. Asexual people don't have that. And so if asexual people decide to be sexual with someone, it's not by asexual definition. It's not because they're sexually attracted to that person. They've decided, I want to have sex with that person because we all go to Comic-Con together and we have for 25 years and that's great. And I think you're cute in your furry costume. And like, I dig you romantically and I need to help you get off because that's important to you, not important to me. Right. That was a really yes, weird analogy. Yeah. I don't know where I came that. No, I loved it. <laughs> I loved it. Aisha and I are both into Comic-Con. Perfect. Yeah. And <laughs> I wrote a pilot that had a furry in it. So, oh. you know what? It's all is great. You get it. Yeah. Um, I mean, Aisha, I'm going to jump to you for a second. What have, have you ever had or questions about this and or any sort of um, ways that you have thought about asexuality that we like can demystify. Mm-hmm. Right. So I started about a couple of years ago hearing this term. I think it's demisexual. Ooh, is that the right very one? Very good. Yes. Mm-hmm. Love it. Right. And so I was like, oh, that kind of, some of that sort of maybe a little bit resonates. I don't know, maybe. So it's definitely been, I guess if we can expand upon like what that yeah. is, I know that's another yeah. part of the umbrella Absolutely. term. Yeah, um, no, it's great. Yeah. yeah. So uh, demisexual. I love this. I love that y'all did your homework. It's amazing. <laughs> and I love that we get, to, we just get to like talk about this, right? Casually. I may yeah, or may not yeah. be having a Sunday afternoon cocktail while we talk about it. <clears throat> um, <laughs> as, as we should. Right. Demisexual. The, the easiest way to explain demisexual is that they're, those are individuals who do not have a sexual attraction towards anyone that they have not been able to establish a very deep and meaningful emotional connection with. This one seems much more familiar to a lot of us, right? I, 
My partner likes to tease me. I have had my ho days, my ho-ish days for sure. And it didn't make a lot of sense to me. Right. Like back in the day, like I was that person in my twenties and I was like, oh, let me get that one. Let me get that one. Let me get that. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And I would be with my same friends, whoever, straight, queer, gay, whatever, trans, doesn't matter. I've been super blessed most of my adult life to have a myriad of people in my life that represent all of the letters. Um, So it's amazing. Mm -hmm. And those individuals would say, I can't just do that. Like, I don't know how you can just get up, go hit on that person, go home with them. And like, go about your day the next day. Like it's nothing. Like I need to really feel that person. I need to have an emotional connection with them. I need to not, not even just jive with them. Like I need to be down with them and something that usually Mm -hmm. takes time. Right. And so this is sometimes a scenario where you will see two friends who often have a really deep, meaningful connection, uh, sometimes around like really incredible shared experiences, hopefully positive And those individuals can actually satisfy their sexual needs just with each other. And sometimes that kind of turns into a relationship and sometimes it doesn't. So demisexual people tend to be those individuals. If you remember back in the day or even now, you're one friend who is like, I just can't be a hoe like you. Like, I just can't. I need to like really connect with someone. I need to really be feeling somebody. And for a minute... And I need that connection to carry into the bedroom to make the sex good. Like they can't get wet. They can't turn themselves on. They can't get a heart on all these things unless that really deep emotional connection is there. Yeah, that's a great um, uh, breakdown of that. And so I guess I'd love to discuss some of the myths. And I'm, I'm going to state the myth and maybe you can, you know, sort of expand on it a little bit. A little Ooh, bit. yes. I yeah, I know. I love, harsh, I love games. <laughs> no, no, this is, cool. well, this, cause this is the way, right. We got to talk about this. Cause I'm, you know, I, honestly, it's, it's people. I actually really feel really honored and blessed, to, honestly, to that you asked me to come on to sort of talk about this and kind of dispel some of these myths, because I think this is something, especially asexuality and people don't understand. And I, Unfortunately, I think in our community, like almost the placement of the letter A, L-G-B-T-Q-I-A. By the time you get to the A, everyone's checked out, right? They're like, I'm, I'm over here trying to still figure out what cisgender means. Like, what is trans, M to F, all this? I can't handle it. Y'all are too much. So I sometimes I feel like the A's get left out, right? Like, and A's, and, and often a lot of A people, you know, we have to talk about the difference between sexuality and who you're attracted to because that's a different too because there are asexual people who also identify as like hetero romantic and all those different things so there's lots of these you know different we we are sexual people i'm assuming the the three of us sitting here and then we also have who we're attracted to and that both of those change and are on a spectrum and we've been conditioned so much in our lives to believe that the, these things are not on a spectrum, that they like, you're straight, you're only attracted to dudes, and that's it, and you're sexual all the time. Well, that's not true. I like to tell people, you know, we usually talk about the Kinsey scale, like a zero to six is the original Kinsey scale, but I like to do one to 10 because it's a little bit easier. So if one is ultra mega crazy straight and 10 is ultra mega gay, I'm probably like a 6.5. Like... If you, I used to say Brad and Angie, but now I feel like I got to put different people in front of me. Like if you, if you put, I, I'll still ride with Brad. Like, but if you put oh, Brad and like Lupita Nyong'o yeah. in front of me, I'm, mm. I'm a pick Brad, but <laughs> there'll be a lot of conversation before that. We got me and Lupita going to spend a lot of time together. You, you know yeah, what I'm yeah. saying? So. And you could very much appreciate. I love that. Oh my goodness. Yes. You know, <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> so I just, I yeah. want to throw that out there that everyone should sort of like have their head open about all of this and, and understand that like, just because that's not your experience. I mean, we're talking, you know, you said 70 million um, earlier on that's thought to be probably globally in North America mm-hmm. at asexual individuals, although the sex psychologists, Sex researchers tend to think this number is a little low, but it's probably 1%. Yeah, yeah. You know, so it's, yeah, you're it's right. pretty you're low, right. but I think it's an important topic and an important 
group of individuals who just really don't get the attention deserved and the the time to dispel these myths, you know? Yeah. And, you know, we're, we're having you on for another episode where we're talking about, you know, the idea of, co- of coming out as an adult. And I think another reason for us to explore this is there are a lot more um, gender and sexual identities that people can now relate to and realize that, oh, my God, I have had to fit into this box, but really I am I'm, this is my actual experience Mm -hmm. and nothing is right. Nothing is wrong. There's, that's just your experience. And so for, you know, for me, I I learned about asexuality. I had a friend who recently, or not recently, a couple years ago, um, you know, married for, to a, to a woman for, they were together since they were 14. Um, and then came out as, uh, or they had a kid and then realized, oh, I think I'm gay. And then he came out and then discovered on top of that, I'm asexual. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, when he shared that with me is when I like looked it up and I was like, oh, oh my gosh, people feel this way. And like, we don't talk about it. And I know the shame he was feeling. So again, this is where I'd love to, you know, discuss some of these myths. And one of the myths is this idea that, you know, there's something wrong with them, Mm. or this is a result of you're asexual because you must have some past trauma or a a mental issue. Um, I was reading about doctors, especially tending to prescribe asexual people Viagra or Mm. have more Mm. sex, like sex exposure Mm -hmm. as a way to, maybe you're not really asexual. You just, you just need to get more comfortable with the idea of sex. Mm. Um, And what do you, you know, guys, I think a lot of people might think that. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's the first place that most people go to is, you know, if someone says, oh, I, I'm asexual. Oh, you just haven't had the right sex. You just haven't had good sex. You just haven't had enough sex. Or you were abused, right? You were possibly sexually abused when you were younger or older, or right? You've had some sort of trauma around sex. And I think it's really important to categorically lift all of that and put it in its place and that that's very real. There are a lot of people, uh, regardless of their sexual orientation, I don't love that word, but orientation, who have a hard time having sex because of trauma in their past. Because of, and that trauma can be how they were raised, if they were raised super religious or something, or it can be assault, or it can be just a really bad experience or whatever, okay? There are a lot of people who are sexual by nature, and they have sexual desire towards people but they can't bring themselves or they have a really hard time actually having sex, even sometimes with themselves because of an experience that is categorically different than people who are asexual, who are just like, whether I've had trauma or not, I just don't have sexual desire. Like I actually think sometimes it's easier to just make it simple. Like I'll go back to, we'll keep using (laughs) Idris. Whew. Yes. <laughs> or MBJ. MBJ is kind of my jam oh. right now. I can't stop looking at his Instagram. I actually had to unfollow Did him you on really? Instagram. <laughs> too much for me. Crazy. Were there lots of thirst traps on there? Wow. Oh. No. Wait, he had the one with the where his chest was up for to vo- vote or vote, one or whatever. Yeah. yeah. Oh <laughs> Lord, that one. There's a reason my husband stopped. watches uh, Black Panther over and over and over again. <laughs> Um, so I digress. Anyway, whew, I had a moment. So sorry. <laughs> all of this that we're doing, this kikiing right here, because mm-hmm. we're all thinking, what would it be like in the bedroom with MBJ? Uh, uh, uh. And he could have right. all those weird scars on him from Black Panther and whatever, and that'd be kind of hot. And what? Nope, nope. Asexual people just don't go there. Now they might want to have a conversation. They might want to, you know, talk about like his motivation for his performance in Fruitvale Station. They might want to talk about like all of these different things, like how he's doing so much for black actors and for women in the business and whatever, as you know, I think he's probably a bona fide A-lister now, but like that's, and they might be attracted to him for that. So, but to get back to that myth, 
I think that's the first thing. If people do anything, when you hear from someone that they are asexual, it's like us making assumptions about anyone. We can't Mm -hmm. assume anyone's experience. So when someone tells you that they're asexual, believe them, like just, just full stop. Great. And then if they are telling you this and they're in a place to share and they're, you know, then maybe you are free to ask them more questions or ask them if you can ask more questions. But I think jumping to that assumption that something has happened to that person, like something is wrong with that person, then that's what made them asexual is, is categorically incorrect. And I think that's almost one of those, like we as, as the sexual community, that's just one of those, like, we just have to own that. Sort of like, you know, and and I know this is not the conversation we're going to, but there's a lot of conversation right now about, and I'm asked to speak on this a lot, about how reversing racism and fixing the things, the the racist things that are wrong in the world is not the work of people of color. It is the work of white people, right? It is work, the work of the people from imperial nations and whatever. That's the same, I feel, kind of feel the same way for us. Like the asexual community is like, it's not our work (laughs) for me to try to explain to you that I'm not traumatized. I'm just telling you I'm asexual and we just be like, cool, that's great. Let me go learn what that means. (laughs) You know, like, let me go listen to that kind of dating podcast because I think Natasha and them talked about that, you know? Yeah. Yeah, no, you know, I remember when when I was reading this in my own way, not uh, in this, in a sexual context, but um, I've always grown up and I've struggled that I am not sure if I want kids and I love children kids love me. I get along with them so well. Um, but I've always just been like, I, I just don't have that instinct that some, all my women friend have, like, I want to have a kid one day. I don't like touching a pregnant woman's belly. I just have no interest in any of it. And, uh, I'm now actually, I'm, I'm in the process of freezing my eggs And a big part of it has just been because I am so genuinely unsure. And everybody has come back to me and said, no, no, you're freezing because you want kids. And I'm like, no, no, I'm freezing because I think that's a responsible thing to do for somebody who's so unsure of if I want this. But like growing up, I've always had people be like, no, you know, when you find the right person, oh, oh, you know, it's just probably because of things you've gone through. Like when you actually have it, your whole life changes. I'm like, okay, I just, maybe you're right. But like, I don't feel it. (laughs) You're like, also my life does change and I'm not sure for the better when I have kids. Yeah. (laughs) I'm just like, I mean, I might want them one day, but I don't, it's not usually, it's not really for the idea of like, Oh my God, I'm dying to be a mom. <laughs> and that I'm, I'm loving that you own that and that you're public about that. And that, cause that's, that's very real. And I think there are so many, you know, I say women, but all people who are able to have children. I think there are so many people who have kids in general that are, that feel that pressure, right? Like this is what society tells us to do. And, uh, you know, we're talking about asexuality and I think I'll bring it, you know, continue to bring it back to asexuality. I feel like the rom-com was is the death of is the is the culprit for everything that is wrong with America, <laughs> with the world <laughs> because of those rom coms yep. lead you to believe those things right. You'll have the J Lo's of the world or the Kate Hudson's of the world right doing their thing and being career women whatever, and then they get forced into this like you need some man to complete you and make you happy, and then you need to have kids and white picket fence and all that bullshit, and that's just not what a lot of people's experience are. And there are a lot of asexual people who want all of that without the fucking, like just period end of discussion. They want the white picket fence and maybe they actually want kids and they want to be responsible for the next generation, all those things. They just don't have sexual desire, even for that person that they might want to build that kind of life with. Yeah. So that leads me to the other part of the myth, which is asexual people don't like to cuddle or hold hands or any Mm. physical affection. They don't want to have anything to do with intimacy. They're incapable of emotional bonds. Ooh, very. Mm. I think that is in the same bucket. You're right. As, as this, people think if you're asexual, it's, it's some trauma. And so then you're not going to be able to form, you know, those cuddling, those romantic relationships, those, those types of things, intimacy, physical intimacy with Mm. other people. So, if we've all decided, okay, from now on out, we're just, when someone says they're asexual, it does not mean that they have had a trauma-informed experience about sexuality, right? They're just asexual. Okay, yeah. move the trauma aside. We put her aside. <laughs> she won the election. She lost the election. I'm kidding. 
So, (laughs) (laughs) So now if we play in this sphere of like asexuality is as real as my generally homosexuality or my queerness or your heterosexuality or whatever, right? That that asexuality is very, very real. There are layers to it. And so just like there are layers to any sexuality, there's the sexual desire component and there's a romance component. And so this is the one that I think will, that really throws people. There are lots of asexual people who masturbate. And you're Mm -hmm. like, wait, (laughs) I thought she was asexual, Right. right? So there are asexual people who masturbate. There are asexual people who like kissing, who like touching, who, who like, you know, being naked with their partner or multiple partners or whatever, but it's for different reasons. And sometimes it's, there's a, there's a libido aspect here. There's in the ACE community, they talk about libido and non-libido, right? Mm. And so libido is I, I have sex, I'm turned on. I'm horny, if you will. But it's not for a person. It's just in that, exp- like, I'm just, I'm horny. And some people just need to wake up and, and masturbate before they can go about their day. There are some aces who do that, who are like, I just got to, I know this is a physiological response mm-hmm. in my right. body. I just got to handle this and then I can go on about my day. But they're not laying in bed when they're masturbating, thinking about Idris, right? Thinking about Lupita, right. thinking about whoever, the neighbor, like, that, that's not their experience. And so the same goes to these romantic relationships where it, it's like that overwhelming feeling of like, I have to be with this person. I have to be near them. I have to be touching them. Like you just want to be like, when you love someone so much, you just like want to be up inside of them, not sexually, but like, you just want to be like, you want to mold and merge. Asexual people, many of them have those same feelings but where we as the sexual community, often that will turn into a little, you know, kissing, turns into heavy petting, turns right. into whatever. Aces are like, I have no desire to do that. And it's, it's very, it's difficult in, for so many of us because of rom-coms, because of how yeah. we've been raised, that if you're sitting alone with someone and the candles are on and, you know, there's some bare white. I just show my age. Very white. <laughs> Who's somebody in the back? Or one twelve. I'm about to watch a thing with one twelve tomorrow. Oh, yeah. I can't write. So a little peaches and cream. Peaches I'll and re- cream. really age yes. myself. I got some one twelve in the background and candles are lit. And there's some. What is my drink of choice lately? A little Hennessy or a little champagne or something. And you're sitting there and you're feeling it and you're romanticized and you're all up with someone. And then we always kind of assume that that's going to lead to sex. And aces just right. don't have any desire for that to lead to sex. But think about the connection that you make with someone in those moments and in those experiences. And that's a lot of times what what some people in the ACE community will really want you to to know, will really want you to to really understand is that that is what is in their brain triggers triggers their emotions, triggers their, their drive, their motivation is that romantic connection. Now to make this even more confusing, there are some aces, though, who will fit that mold in our head, what we think. They are not sexually attracted to people. They also are not romantically attracted to people at all. And those, those individuals generally refer to themselves as asexual and aromantic. Hmm. Mm. That was very good to know. So, mm. so, you know, can asexual people, maybe you know, some people listening might identify as this, can can asexual people then be in satisfying, healthy relationships? Does it then have to be that, you know, they have to open it up or mm. be in sort of a poly kind of situation where um, a lot of the one, you know, the examples I was reading about people had said, okay, their partner, or they told their partner, okay, fine. I can't provide or don't have any interest in providing sex for you. And I don't mind if you go get that need filled somewhere else. Mm-hmm. So sort of what is, what's required for, you know, asexual people to, to be able to have relationships and can they? The, the most beautiful part is yes, there are, there are lots of, of aces who have uh, fantastic relationships, but just like a lot of us in that LGBTQIA and straight folks too, our relationships, what's really going on in our relationships is not that rom-com. Mm. 
right? It's not generally what we grew up thinking this. We are not uh, June and what's his name? Cleaver, right? We don't have, or the yeah. Cosby. Can I say the Cosby's? Yeah. The Cosby's, yeah. <laughs> you know, pre. Yeah, we know them as the, the, show. the show, right? The show, right. right? We're not the Cosby's with this perfect, you know, ex- exquisitely monogamous relationship. And we're faithful to each other all the time. And we, we get all of our sexual needs fulfilled from one person. I happen to think that that's, how do I say this? I happen to think that that is not uh, realistic anyway. Like, I think this mm-hmm. just, we've just been, you know, taught in the society in particular, unless Western culture, at least that we, that's it. When you find your person, that's it. They, they're supposed to make you 100% sexually satisfied 100% of the time. And that, I don't even make myself 100% sexually satisfied. <laughs> and I've been touching myself since whenever. So yeah, <laughs> I, I think it's important to to know to sort of again we're all having open minds here about all of this, right? That mm-hmm. that these strict in the box definitions of what we think relationships are don't apply to most of us really anyway, and they they certainly don't apply to most folks in the ACE community. I would venture to say that in my experience, most ACEs who are in relationships are not polyamorous. They're, they're not mm-hmm. in open relationships. Um, I think for us, that's something that's a, the sexual community. That's something that's a little bit easier for us to grab on to, particularly the gays, right? I, I generally, I, I kind of identify as queer, but I generally, my, my queer space is generally cisgender gay men and transgender women. Okay. And so that's generally my experience, but I kind of identify as queer, but you know, we, we tend to go immediately go to like, oh, they must be poly. They just must, or let them be open, just do whatever on the side and get you, you know, have your little, you know, side piece. I've been watching Emily in Paris, unfortunately. Oh my God, I know. I, I Instagram and my best friend has been telling me about it and I started <laughs> it's, yesterday. It's a mess, right? Well, we, we could do a whole episode <laughs> on Emily in Paris. I, I, I it is very problematic, <laughs> but also I could not stop watching it. But <laughs> <laughs> so there, you know, Netflix got me, but- uh, again, however, uh, they talk about what comes up a lot in in French culture is that a lot of people, a lot of men have mistresses. And it's not really like fully accepted, right. but it's kind of tolerated. And that happens in a lot of like sort of queer spaces as well. And so I think it would be really easy for us to jump to like, oh, you are getting your emotional and romantic needs met by this one individual, but then I'm going to let you go and get your sexual needs met by someone else. And for some people that totally works. In my experience, most ACEs who are in relationships generally don't do that. And they are in relationships with other individuals who are probably more demisexual, if you will. And then they Mm -hmm. kind of find a compromise. So I, you know, (laughs) I really enjoyed doing my research and and kind of writing my dissertation, <laughs> but you know I would have rather been doing something else. But I knew it was something I had to get done for my career, for my community, for all the things that I want to do. Sometimes aces feel that way, right? All right, let me help you sexually, even though I have no interest in this. But it's important to our overall sphere of our relationship. Um, if, if that makes sense, right? I don't like cleaning up the dog poop in the backyard, but I know if yeah, I don't, my yeah, husband gets right. mad. You know, like not to equate dog poop and sex, but like you get it. Like you do things yeah, in right. relationships for the sake of the relationship. So it, it it must be really important to communicate what you're sort of comfortable and not comfortable with if you identify as an ace. And 100%, you... you and that, that, that also changes, right? It's a spectrum. So, you know, it changes for people. It can also change with individuals. So I do know some, some aces who have really truly been asexual for a very long time. And then they met someone and they were like, huh, I think maybe I could find some sexual desire here at least a little bit just because I'm, I'm in a different situation. Um, and, and that's, mm-hmm. that's okay. That's very, very open. You, you bring up the word communication, which obviously is so important. And when you're kind of dating, kind of in a relationship, kind of anything. For everything. For yeah. everything. But that communication for ACEs can be really hard. And what it triggered for me is, is the coming out experience for ACEs. Mm, right. And so, unfortunately, what happens a lot of times for ACEs is that that communication is really hard about what they want. That's what you said. And that's what triggered this for me. They'll meet someone. They'll start dating. 
There'll be four or five dates in. They've had a great, let's say pre-COVID. They've had a great time. They've been running around doing the thing and like whatever. And then they're like, how do I come out to this person that mm. I don't want to fuck? Like, I don't want to, <laughs> I don't want to have sex with you, but yeah. I'm super into you, right? That's a really, really tough conversation to have. So think about communicating from that point and then on into a relationship, 13 years into a relationship when you're like, I really need you to vacuum the rug. And you're like, I really need you to, you know, jerk me off. Like how, you know, that level of communication is just, it's hard in any relationship. And particularly when aces are with individuals who are more, are more sexual than they are. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, that was, I mean, you naturally lead to all my segues. I'm like, this is great. Oh. Um, uh, <laughs> So if somebody is just discovering that they are asexual, uh, what, what is the first thing that they can sort of do and how do they get out of their own head and even give dating a shot? Because mm-hmm. some people feel because I'm asexual, I cannot, like this is never going to work. Mm. And who would accept me this way? Everybody wants to have sex and I can't provide this thing that they want. So what's the first things that people can do um, who are sort of experiencing this coming out? It's really, it's really tough. I'm, I'm glad you asked this question. And I hope people who are listening, um, who have, who are themselves aces or think they might be, or, or, you know, there's others in your world or your sphere of influence, uh, know that you're not alone. And I feel like the same kind of goes to sometimes when I speak to like queer youth and I'm like, you are not alone. You really aren't. I know there's a asexual cisgender girl in Fargo, North Dakota right now, who's like 14 years old and is like, all my girlfriends are talking about boys and kissing, whatever. I have zero desire for that. You are okay. Like you're fine. You're exactly the way you're supposed to be. Uh, Like we all are, but at 14, that's really hard, right? At 44, that's really hard, right? Sometimes it's hard to, to really know that. So know that you are not alone. Know that the glory and the awfulness of the internet, on the glory side of the internet, the wonderful part of the internet is that there are tons of resources. So there are tons of like, even Facebook groups, so I don't love Facebook and the kids don't really use Facebook, but there are blogs, there are different groups out there that you can kind of research and, and look into to learn more about what it means to be asexual to also establish some sort of community, right, online, where you just being able to share your experiences and hear from others and relate to that, oh my gosh, that's exactly how I feel, um, can really, you know, sort of help people realize, okay, I'm, I'm certainly in a small minority, but I'm not alone in this and that this is okay. And then to move forward in your older years, I think there is a lot to be said for... Uh, coming out and the power of visibility. So, you know, that's been a big thing. If you think about the track of sort of like gay men in media, women in media, right? Look at what Ellen and, and other Ellen led to the fortune themesters of the world, right? The, all of these different individuals, the Tiffany Haddishes of the world, who was like, I don't know, I'm kind of like fluidly sexual, like whatever, right? When did we ever think Tiffany Haddish would ever be able to say something like that, right? So like, totally. it's amazing. And so the more individuals who are asexual, who are comfortable with it mm-hmm. and are able to sort of be out with it and be at that dinner party or at work mm-hmm. or at whatever. And when it comes up and be like, well, we're not supposed to talk about sexuality at work, but I'm asexual and I'm cool, but I'm dating this guy over here, you know? isn't he, isn't he cute? And you can think someone's cute and be dating them and not want to fuck them. And the more we Mm -hmm. talk about this, the more people listen to kind of dating over and over and over again, Mm -hmm. (laughs) they will learn, they will learn these things and they will learn, you know, that, that it is just a part of human sexuality, which is still so much of a mystery to all of us. But I I just want to say this to everyone listening who is asexual at whatever age or whatever experience you are, it is not, if you really feel you're asexual, it is not because something's wrong with you and you are definitely mm. not alone. Yeah, that's wonderful. I'm, I'm glad you said that. And, uh, and so the, the dating part, I mean, should they tell somebody right away that they are? I mean, like you said, like, should they wait four <laughs> or five dates in? Should they, 
Should that be like the first drink conversation? Oh, it's so hard, isn't it? I I feel so like this is really, it's very individual. <laughs> there, there are a lot of aces. There are a lot of aces who won't date people who aren't also aces. Mm-hmm. Because right. a lot of times it's exhausting, right? Mm-hmm. I think mm-hmm. we we all we are three people of color on this right now. Like we sometimes it's just exhausting mm-hmm. what it means to be 100%. Indian American in Hollywood, right? Like he's just tired of having to explain this to you people, right? Like I think there are a lot of aces, a lot of asexual people who just like don't want to have to explain it all the time, and so they at least will start in the ace community. Well, that certainly limits your dating pool. So if you are interested in individuals who are a part of the sexual community. You know, I'm a big fan of let people have their own journey. I'm not trying to tell people what to do at all. I think it's better earlier on. Um, At least I think the outcome can probably be better. But kind of like a lot of things in dating. Like, I'm actually that dude who, like, y'all might disagree with me about this, but I think it's important to have the kid conversation for people in relationships who want to have kids pretty early. Right? Like if mm-hmm. by date three or four, you're like, I'm jiving. And then all of a sudden, dude is like, oh, we're having kids in the next 18 months. You might be like deuces, yep. you know, <laughs> like that's just not going to work for me. And if that's, you know, that's one of your like three to five deal breakers, right? I feel like relationships only get that. You only get three to five deal breakers and all the rest you got to figure out, right? So like if that's one of your deal breakers, well, in an for an ace, that's definitely one of their deal breakers. Whether like, mm-hmm. can we navigate that person's sexuality and this person's asexuality. And if that comes up early, but there's still a really intense emotional and romantic connection there, I think people can work it out. And I think people do because as sexual as we are, think about, you know, I, my poor husband and I have been in quarantine together for nine. I mean, I go to work, but he's been in this damn house for nine months. We still are managing to have lots of sex and it's great. You know, we haven't killed each other, but you know, the four times we had sex this week, I think, we're half an hour each. Okay. That was two hours. What are we doing the rest of the time? Right? Like that's really the stuff that is off. That is so much more important. And I think when people kind of get out of their heads about it, they can navigate those spaces, but you know, early communication, I I think is best, but again, everyone has their own experience. Yeah. Those are some great tips. And so then let's flip it. What about the people who have just gone on a date with somebody who is an ace or demisexual or comes out as that? Um, How do they, and and they really like this person and they want to continue, but like, how do they navigate those feelings of, well, a bruised ego of thinking, Mm -hmm. oh, this person just doesn't want to have sex with me or rejection or wanting to just fuck them. Like we're just wanting to be like, fuck, all I want is my D in your V or uh-huh. whatever in whatever, right. you know. Orifice. Something, whatever, something. My, my something in you something. <laughs> yeah. uh, you, I mean, you've said the word multiple times because you are so brilliant. It's about communication, right? It's about having those conversations because there are some asexual people who do have sex with their partner. Mm-hmm. They just, they're, they don't have the desire to. Right. So it doesn't mean they don't do it. Now, how they do it, how often they do it, all those different things, that, that's up to each individual relationship. But, you know, I just got done talking about how my husband and I had sex four times this week. To some people, that might not be very much at all. They're like, what are you kidding me? And so some people are like, y'all been together eight years and you're still having sex four times a week? Like, that might be a lot for some people. Like, no, I'm, I'm like... <laughs> it's because I married like, a 17-year-old is the problem. <laughs> he, just, he just like... <laughs> I, I, yeah, his libido. Anyway, that's a whole other conversation. So, uh, I mean, it's okay. I I live. So, uh, you know, I I think it's really important though for, for that, the sexual person to be open to understanding that their lived experience and the lived experience of essentially 99% of at least North America is the most common, but it might not be what works for them. It might not be this relationship. If you really dig this person, you're totally into their art and their vibe and their family and like what they're doing and how they approach life and they're protesting and they're writing and their purple eyes, like whatever, whatever you're into, those things might be amazing. And that might actually be enough for you. Like you might actually realize as a sexual person, I would probably rather masturbate anyway. 
So then mm. I'm just going to masturbate 14 times a day or what, once a week or whatever. And my asexual person that I'm dating is fine with me, you know, expressing that part of my sexual self and we work it out. That I think that can work for a lot of people. Yeah, I also like the the simple math of it sometimes like in a lot like a, a logical point of view of like, well, really, if you've had sex four times a week, half hour, it's two two hours of your week with somebody. And then when you put that in perspective, you're like, oh, right. Most of your relationship really is not about sex. It's not about sex, but we put so much value on it, right? We put, and for some people, it really is that valuable. I will flip it the other direction too. One of my very best friends is a sex worker and he's not a sex worker because he loves sex that much, but he also loves sex a lot. And so he is able to have sex with his partner often and be a sex worker. And I bring him up as an example because he is someone who is on the other end of the spectrum. Like he stole mm-hmm. all the cookies from the cookie jar because he came out just firing and has from day one. Like, and that, that's great. And so he's figured that out with his partner and sex is very, very paramount for them. They're both sex workers. One of them is also an on-camera performer. I mean, their sex is their world. Well, on the other end, you have people who can have just as incredible and intimate of a connection and have this shared thing that doesn't really have much to do with sex. Most of us fall somewhere in the middle. I, you know, I can tell you that I used to place a lot of my value. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I admit this. I was, I had my slutty days or my whore days that I talked about because I really like sex. But I also placed a lot of my value as a person on how hot was the guy that I could fuck. Right. Let's just be honest. Mm -hmm. Right. And so in my insecure twenties and I just lost a bunch of weight and got all cute and whatever. So once I was able to work through, whoa, 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 dude, you're, you have a really, really effed up relationship with effing. (laughs) Like let's fix that. Then I was sort of able to realize, okay, what is the role that sex can play in my life personally with my partner how does sex go for him? Because your sex life is also your own, right? Even if you're in a relationship or you're kind of dating someone, you still have your own sex life too. And that's important. Mm -hmm. But then what is the value of that? And that value changes with people over time. And so I I do find it, I think it's really, really critical that people understand that it does those two hours, right? The simple math of it, those two hours can be really, really important to you. But is it one of your three to five deal breakers? Is it one of those things that's going to negate everything else that you really dig about that person. And if it is cool, then move, move it right along. But if not, then be open to different ways of fulfilling that need, that part of you within the context of your relationship with, with an asexual person. And always remembering that this is the other problem. I think sometimes we have, we center asexual peoples. We center their asexualness rather than their personhood, mm. yeah, right? right? So it's, it's a lot of, I think it happens a lot of times in the trans community as well. Like, mm-hmm. oh, that's my trans friend so-and-so. Well, no, <laughs> that is your friend who is trans. That's fine if it's appropriate for the conversation or whatever, right. that's great. But they don't, they're not your trans friend. You know, you're not my friend with 17-inch hair. You know, you're not like... You know, my black friend, Aisha, like it just, I was just going to say, like, this is not what we do. Oh, Natasha's my Indian friend. Like, no, no, no. Okay. Like we don't have to center that. And so I think sometimes what's really frustrating for asexual people is that it happens on both spectrums. Like people don't understand asexuality at all, but then when asexuality comes up, that's the only thing people ever identify with them. Oh, that's my friend, Lisa, but she's asexual. Okay. Lisa might also be, you know, Kamala Harris's chief of staff, yeah. but like, right. <laughs> we, we only know her as Lisa, the asexual, like, you know what I mean? <laughs> exactly. No, you're very, you're, you're, that's a great point. Yeah, yeah. It's not that that's not the sole part of somebody's identity. Right. It's just one tiny part, um, but mm-hmm. an important part for somebody else to share. Um, what I kind of sort of get out of all of this is like, there's sort of no real formula and it's kind of, this idea of people having to discover what works for them and not every couple is going to be the same. Right. Whether you're in the LGBTQIA plus community or otherwise, yeah. there's just millions of combinations. Um, 
I, I think just like there's millions of combinations of people, you know, that, yeah. that we, yeah. that sometimes it, it works. And, you know, I, I keep bringing up my husband, but you know, whatever it, we, it's, uh, we use our experience to tell stories, right? I, I wasn't ready to meet my husband before I met him. We wouldn't have worked, mm. right? We, I just was, he was not the type of dude I was into, like whatever. I think we met, you know, not to be a rom-com about it, but I think we met not when it was the right time, but like when we were both ready to receive what the other one of us was, was giving. And I think that's, that's the same with asexual people. Like you met, you know, your friend from high school on Facebook now identifies as asexual, but she's not the same person who graduated with you 20 years ago on Facebook. Like none of us are, right? So I think understanding right. that everyone's asexuality journey, road, experience, whatever cliche you want to put on it, is their own. Um, asexual people do have relationships, very much so. Um, they are romantic. Sometimes they have sex. Sometimes they masturbate. Oftentimes they're romantic with people and it doesn't involve sex. And some asexual people don't do any of it at all. They don't have any sex, any romance, no masturbation, and there's still amazing, wonderful people as well. And it's all part of the ACE community. I love that. Thank you so much for breaking that down. Aish, do you have any other questions before we jump into his six questions? Six questions. <laughs> no, no more Uh-oh. questions. Oh, yeah. The best part. <laughs> but yeah, no, it's just, um, I think it all just comes down to visibility at the end of the day. Like I was, while we were talking, thinking about, oh, have I like seen an asexual person on screen? And I think the only um, example of that I've seen a little bit is on the show Sex Education Mm -hmm. on Netflix. In the second season, there's a character I think it's like alluded to. But that's really it, you know? So yeah, I think once we start, again, keep having these conversations and the more visibility we can have, hopefully people will start understanding, you know? That's actually a really, really good point. I actually didn't think about that, that we actually haven't really even seen it. Camera. I know. Yeah. I'm actually racking my brain right now, and I was like, "When have I seen yeah. an an accurate depiction of, in, in, of, exactly. of an yeah. asexual person?" Right? You know, there there will there's mm-hmm. I think there's lots of examples of the trauma informed experience where individuals right. have are choosing. Big mm-hmm. key: asexual people are not making a choice to not be sexual. Celibacy is not asexuality. Mm-hmm. People are choosing to not have sex for whatever reasons, religious reasons. I took a year mm-hmm. off of sex when I was younger. <laughs> that was part of my stop. I did stop too. being a whole thing. How did it go? Did you like it? That that's that's how I stopped. Also, <laughs> <laughs> right. I, it's a little little personal sex rehab, you know, like. Yeah, it was. It was. Uh, it was. It, I actually really loved it. I loved it. And it's one of the reasons why, like, when I see people freaking out during this pandemic, it kind of makes me laugh a little. I'm like, I actually chose it for a fucking year. <laughs> You're like, I did. Before a pandemic. Totally. Right. <laughs> so I. I think it's necessary if you're, yeah, for me, it, it helps. Absolutely. It's very refreshing. It, it Yeah, it was it was wonderful as well. It was interesting. I, I'll say that. I'll say that. Yes, but, yes, um, yes, yes, yes. Yeah, so I think it's just important for people, you know, that visibility and that, unfortunately, we're, that's what we see in the media. That's what we see in, in, you know, television and movies and whatever is this, this person has it. Well, she hasn't had sex in 37 years because she's the, you know, old cat lady. Well, right. maybe mm-hmm. she is asexual. But we usually, there's some sort of other tired trope around the old cat lady who hasn't had sex in however many years, right? Mm-hmm. So Aisha, you hit it, you hit the nail on the head. Like let's, let's increase visibility in the right way for that community would, would go, would do right. wonders. I love that. Um, well, thank you, Dr. James, for being on uh, Kind of Dating with us. Thank you you are so amazing. Oh, thank you. You're very sweet. Thank you. <laughs> You're not totally done. We have a, a segment called Six Questions where we ask every guest the exact same six questions. Ooh, okay. Um, it's sort of like a rapid fire. Don't think about it too much. Um, okay. Just just say whatever. I'm ready. I've, I, I just won a game show, by the way. So I love games. Did you? Yeah, can you? Which one? I won the Price is Right. <laughs> Shut the fuck oh, up! Oh snap, that's bomb. Wait, you won one? Well, I got to the Showcase Showdown. I didn't win. I lost in the Showcase Showdown. Fuck. But I won a fucking Audi. You got all the way. Wait, you won an Audi? <laughs> yes. So this, I just this reminds. I was like six questions rapid fire. It feels like a game, and I was like, I love games. I and it just it. it literally aired like three weeks ago. It was it was 
Oh my gosh. So wait, you actually get the car. I know they always say like they show the car and they're always wondering like, did the person get the car? Did they get the bucket of money? Right. Well, so the Price is Right does not actually give you an equivalent cash deal anymore. You either have to take the prize or not. Oh, wow. I took. Oh, wow. Yeah. (laughs) I was was not going to take the car. (laughs) Oh man, growing up, I I watched Price is Right every single day and I always like freaked out during Plinko. (gasps) It's the best, right? (laughs) Plinko was like the best. It is the best. The The, the game I played was called Cover Up, where you have to uh, pick the number of the car, but then it gets harder as it goes on, right? There's like five numbers to pick from, six numbers Mm -hmm. to pick from, seven numbers to pick from. And apparently, I didn't even know this, but apparently it's like one of the 10 hardest games to play on Price is Right. So I don't, I just got lucky, I guess. No, No. that's not smart. That was luck. (laughs) Fucking awesome. Yeah. I'll just send you the link for it. It was wild. Yes, yes, please. I will definitely be watching that. (laughs) Uh, Okay. So Dr. James, here are your six questions. Dun, dun, dun. No. Uh, what is the first thing you notice about a potential partner? Oh, physically. However, However you perceive that question. Um, I'm a really big person as I'm aging on energy. So like if someone walks in the room with some stank energy, like I, I really feel it. I can almost like smell it. I know that sounds kind of weird, but like I sense it. So if someone comes in with like Jonathan Van Ness energy, like I might not physically be that all that attracted to Jonathan Van Ness, but I'm very attracted to that person because they come in with just like all the energy. Like I love it. So probably their energy. Love, love. Uh, what is your one deal breaker? Oh, uh, <laughs> that one's tough. I've lately, I think I would have to say, um, you can't, you can't be racist. <laughs> like you Good just one. can't Good one. you, you yeah. probably can't have voted for someone who's racist too but let's just we'll we'll dial it back a little bit to like you can't be racist yeah. definitely mm-hmm. uh what turns you on oh my gosh uh so that energy kind of turns me on a little bit that i said before i mm-hmm. i am a i am a sucker i always have been i am a sucker for a beautiful ass I just, Ooh. I don't know what it like physically i just oh. always <laughs> men women whatever. Yeah. Like, like if we're just going like raw dog, physical, you know, do you like the, like the slightly soft, but big, or do you like tight, like super tight or, you know, there's a difference. There, there is. I, so I grew up in, I grew up in Nebraska actually of all places. Oh. And so there's this like farm boy athletic, like, like you're corn <laughs> fed and you're big, but you're also like athletic. You might have like a little mm-hmm. bit of a V and you you don't you don't have like wide hips, but you got like a wide like the, you got some as uh, what Monique say you got some weight on it, or some yeah, more yeah. right. It has some weight on it, but like yeah yeah yeah, I like that. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> that's kind of like my type. Yeah, <laughs> perfect. I also um, think I have one of those. I don't know. I can't see it. Everyone tells me it. I have a big old ass. They have my whole life, so I don't. I guess I don't know what's going on. I, <laughs> you know, I haven't seen it. after this pandemic, when we finally get to meet. Aisha and I will make a judgment. Please. <laughs> I would love that very much. <laughs> um, tell us one of your strengths and one of your weaknesses in relationships. Ooh, uh, I definitely know one of my weaknesses is I'm a fixer. So if you need to come to me and, and say, like, you just need to vent without me trying to fix the thing that you're venting about, I need you to tell me that that's what you're doing. Like, because I, I instantaneously go to like, okay, well, we can do this and we can do this and da, da, da. Like, I'm always trying to fix some shit. Um, I think it's the like healthcare provider in me. Um, and that, that can be really tough, right? That can be really hard. Like sometimes you just need to shut up and listen. So I, I think I'm a good listener, but if you come at me with a problem, like I'm going to be trying to fix it. Um, I, I do think a uh, strength, um, I tend to be, I'm super empathetic. Uh, I had a card reader tell me empathetic to a, to a fault, like earlier, I could empath, like I could really feel how people were feeling, but then I would take it in. Like I would also absorb how they were feeling rather than just being able to really empathize with it. So I think I also empathize with certainly my husband, but like partners in the past or even friends or whatever. Like I really empathize with how you're feeling and therefore sort of can anticipate needs. Mm. Um, So if, you know, you talk about the four or five love languages or whatever they are, like I'm forever doing shit for my husband 13 seconds before he knows he needs it. 
And I think Aww. that's just because I'm, I, I'm, I know how he's feeling. That makes sense. So they almost mm-hmm. that strength and weakness kind of almost go together. Yeah, yeah, always goes together. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Definitely seen that a lot in the podcast. Yeah. Um, what is love? Oh, hard, <laughs> <laughs> hard, but worth it. I know. I wish I could. If I could define love, we'd all be billionaires, right? I then sold a book <laughs> for it. No, I. Uh, what What is love? Oh, I don't know. I'm li- I'm literally looking out the window at my husband right now, who's outside playing Aww. backgammon Aww. on the iPad, <laughs> and I'm like, "Oh, <laughs> love is my boo," even though he drives me crazy. So uh, I- I'm just gonna say, "With love is hard, but very, very worth it." Love that. And your last one, besides "I love you," what three words would you want your partner to tell you? Oh man. Hmm. Um, I feel like y'all will understand this. Like I, there's, I love you and there's, I got you. Ooh, that's ours. Is it? (laughs) (laughs) Right. Like you, we all want that like ride or die, right? Like I got you. Like you just, you know, you have those friends in life where you're like, I need you to meet me in Tallahassee with $1,500 and a rabbit. Don't ask why, you know, like, I need my partner to sort of be that person. Like when I call you and I'm like, be outside in 15 minutes, you know, bring the dog. Don't ask why. Like, I got you. You know what I mean? Yep. Yeah. Yeah. No, I love that. Um, Well, thank you again, Dr. James Simmons, for being on today's episode. How can everybody find you, your socials, all the fun stuff? I am at Ask the NP, as a nurse practitioner, Ask the NP. Uh, I think everywhere on social. Yeah. I'm trying TikTok. But I, think, I feel like I'm too old for TikTok. So on, I'm most active on Instagram and Twitter <laughs> at Ask the NP. Uh, and then, but I'm also on Facebook. And then on Twitter, I'm Hey Dr. James. I mean, not Twitter, uh, TikTok. Hey Dr. James. Love it. And uh, guys, we're going to have all of his links in the description of this episode. So please make sure you check him out and follow him there. Um, Guys, thanks so much for listening to today's episode. We are also on social media. Follow us at Kinda Dating across the board. Aish. I am at Aisha Says Dance across the board. And I am Natasha Chandel, official on Facebook, Natasha underscore Chandel on Twitter, and Natasha Chandel on Instagram, where on Sundays and Thursdays I'm doing Instagram Lives. So uh, come join me there. Um, once again, thank you so much for downloading this episode. Please tell a friend. And uh, review us on Apple Podcasts, five-star ratings. Also send us your dating stories and thoughts to kindadating at gmail.com. Finally, I know it seems tough out there, but just try. Till next time. Kind of Dating is created, produced, and hosted by myself, Natasha Chandel. Aisha Holden is my co-host. Our producer is Adam Pineless, and our intern is Karina Uribe. The opening music is composed by Joe Lorenzetti, and our logo and graphics are by Jenna Yenick and K. Daniel Ellis.